This program was previously recorded. The following program is a paid presentation. The views and or opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of KWAM. Welcome to the Variety Hour, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Listening to you talk that stuff. Talk Memphis, oh Welcome to Talk Money. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome to Talk Money, where we talk about everything financial. For today's program, before you risk your money in the market, you should have an adequate contingency fund set aside in a separate a separate savings account. Your emergency fund should not be a part of your long-term investment portfolio. So the question is, how much and where do you put this money? That's the first half of the program. In the second half, with all the news about the market, what should you be thinking about when it comes to your overall investment portfolio? Markets uh, seem to be headed in this summer correction and a lot of volatility. And obviously, we've seen that volatility be kind of pronounced in the news. Well, Latrice McClendon and Scott Jordan are here to help us understand exactly what our attitude, our approach, and our actions can do to us to hurt us with our investment results. How they actually compound the damage by leading us to do things that create other issues in our portfolios. You want to, don't want to miss that part of the program. Why should you have an emergency fund and how much should you have in that emergency fund? All this and more in today's program. From our Did You Know files, some of you really do like this part of the program. We appreciate you sending it to us and telling us that. But here's something from our Did You Know. The University of Memphis, excuse me, the University of Michigan did a survey recently and found out that 47% of Americans surveyed in December of 2017 believed that there was a 75% chance of a diversified stock portfolio would increase in value in 2018. Now, that's okay. I get it. So they're very optimistic. Here's the problem. 47% was the largest percentage recorded in this survey that Michigan has been doing since December of 2002. That is a lot of optimism. From the Investment Committee, the Institute of the Investment Company, 91% of Americans, of the participants that were in this survey, defined their contribution plan, their defined benefit plan, their defined contribution plan, the 401k plan, we talk about that. They had not changed their allocation in 2017. So again, that's talking about that, you know, the whole idea behind optimism and what that means when we start looking at our investment portfolio. We're going to talk about that in today's program. I was reading recently an investment confidence survey conducted by the employment, uh, the Employee Research Institute. Now, this is Retirement Confidence Survey. The survey found that only 36% of workers surveyed anticipated that their monthly Social Security benefit will be a major source of income during retirement. However, in a similar survey by the same group, they found that 67% of the retirees surveyed have determined that their monthly Social Security benefit a major source of income during retirement. Here's some, some, some information that I found to be surprising and disturbing at the same time from the National Center of Health Statistics. There were 3.85 million births in the United States in 2017. 
Okay, that's a pretty good sized number. It's the smallest number of births, births since 1987 or 30 years ago. It's, the, it's measuring the general fertility rate of America. Now, here's the question. It is recorded that this is the lowest rate of birth data for 1,000 women between the ages of 15 and 44. It's 60.2 births that has been tracked nationally since 1909. That's something we need to think about. That's uh, that could it's a change for what we do. Coming up, Latrice McLean and Scott Jordan. How much? <coughs> excuse me. How much of a contingency fund should you have before you start investing? And some very serious suggestions on how to be a smarter, a better investor. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to The Voice, KWAM 990, FM 107.9. This is Talk Money. Podcasts of Talk Money are available in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. Jim Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Latrice McLinn is a registered representative. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. You're listening to Talk Money on KWAM 990 and FM 107.9. My guest today, Latrice McLean, Scott Jordan. Welcome to the program, guys. Hey, Jim. Good to be here. Great to be here, Jim. Okay, guys. We're talking about that that basic fundamental stage one of investing. And so many people, level one, you might call it, or, or freshman year of investing. It's that startup point where you say, okay, I want to be an investor. We've talked about the fact that so many people get involved in the second half of the program. We're going to talk about how things get kind of messed up and how we need to be a smarter, more learned investor. That's graduate school, maybe. But let's talk about when you get started, Latrice, because so many mm-hmm. people get off on the wrong foot and they get started incorrectly and it's very difficult for them to gain confidence back in investing whether it's their 401k or they're saving for college or whatever they're doing so start with me now before a person begins to risk money Mm -hmm. in the stock market in the bond market you know what should they look for in an an emergency fund which why should they have an emergency fund well an emergency fund can have two purposes uh first the first purpose of that emergency fund is used for the emergency of maybe it's something that happens between uh, three and six months and you have to get money out immediately. Say a, a car breaks down or something like that, you need that money. And the second purpose uh, for that emergency fund or contingency fund is, hey, I have this goal of taking a vacation maybe next year or I want to plan and prepare and help pay for my daughter or my son's wedding. And that's just a, a longer term goal. So when you look at longer term, you're not talking about you. You, you kind of you, you're thinking about two different types of funds. One's a, the long term, and one's yes. we're talking about more of that that emergency or contingency fund. And uh, that can be a whole different animal between taking the vacation fund, yes, and the emergency fund. How do people delineate? How how do you help them, Latrice, manage that mindset? 
Because well, so many times, I, you know, what I'm thinking is, well, I've got my emergency fund, mm-hmm. but I want to take a vacation, so we take some of that money out. Well, it's like I said, first you have your goal set. Okay, this is for the vacation. Well, how long do I have to prepare and save money up for that vacation? And you have to always think about, okay, this is what I have to pay for monthly. What you have to pay for monthly, that money's going to be there. And then the extra money that's used for the vacation or whatever other goal that you have set longer term, you have to build up for that as well. Now, you mentioned three months, six months, somewhere in that. Most financial professionals really do. We talk, we tell everybody in the office, six months is kind of that magic number. Anything less is taking a little risk. Anything more may not be necessary, but it's always a personal thing. I mean, you you kind of say, Mm -hmm. what do you feel comfortable with? Yeah, and and we say sometimes three to six months because, okay, three to six months of how much is the, uh, will it cost for all of my bills um, for that length of time? Okay. So that's why we'll sometimes say three to six. You know, months. I heard someone, Scott, say it to me one time, taking your paycheck. And uh, how long can you take your paycheck every week, month, whatever you get it, and put it into the chest of drawer in the bedroom and not touch it, not cash it, just not touch it? How long can you do that and still make ends meet? Absolutely. You know, that's uh, I call it a burn rate. You know, how long can you continue at your current burn rate if your income stopped today? And so, you know, usually when we're counseling people, you know, the three to six months, that's kind of a generality, but it's very personal, as you said. You know, for some people, they may need more than that. For instance, we look at whether it's a two-income family versus a one-income family. You know, a one-income family may need a little more of that, depending on their situation. Or sometimes business owners, we usually recommend them have a little more. But three to six months is a great guideline. It's a good start. And, uh, you know, I think if, if people will... Be disciplined enough to set that money aside. They're getting a long way toward hitting their goals. If you just tuned in, we're talking about setting up the fundamentals. Now, in the second half of the program, we're going to dive into some more of the graduate-level ideas around vesting. But this is that freshman and sophomore year, if you're thinking about it, or that beginning stage one of investing. And we're talking about having an emergency fund. And as Latrice said, not only just an emergency fund, but saving other monies for those vacations or those needs that you want to have, whether it's the, to put new tires on the car or buy a car, the reality is don't let your investing dollars, the money that you set aside in the investment portfolio of your 401k, whatever it is, be a part of your emergency fund or your contingency fund. Scott, let me, let me here's a, I used to hear this term, automation versus procrastination. Tell me, because I really like that. I, I don't know if I've heard. I like that, though. I, I think, you know, when, when counseling people, it's always best to set up an automatic program. Whether it's, you know, going down to the bank and having them automatically transfer a certain amount from checking to savings each month. Or, you know, there's lots of different companies that will do bank drafts and setting up the fund. But doing it automatically just sets that discipline in place that is so necessary to get that goal accomplished. I know for me, automation is is critical. It is. Because I got through college and I majored in procrastination 401. (laughs) I mean, you know, why study? You know, the test is not till next week. You got a whole week for that. (laughs) But but, but that's what you're saying. We we have a tendency, by nature, a lot of people do. No, not everybody. My wife is not a procrastinator. She has, we have a party going to take place in two weeks, okay? I'm having to clean the house today. You know what I'm wow. saying? She's already got me. She got a little list of saying, got to do this. So procrastination mm-hmm. is not everybody's problem. But if you do have a procrastination issue, you're really saying that instead of wishing you had done something, 
set it up, get it automated so that it is happening, that you actually have an account. Yeah, you know, I think getting it done, you know, automatically, Any, and I've experienced this myself. If you say, well, we'll wait till the end of the month and we'll save whatever's left over, well, most of the time you run out of money before you run out of month. And we have it So that. setting that automation in place is another key How to How much money should they – is there a percentage that you recommend that somebody kind of says, I'm going to pay myself – and so if I'm going to put this money into that automated savings, is there a percentage that you recommend? You know, that's a great question, Jim. And I think that's different for different people. You know, you, mm-hmm. you have to start somewhere. Uh, you know, if somebody hasn't been saving at all and you say, well, we need to save 20 percent, well, that may get a little hard and they may get discouraged and, and abandon the program. But I think in general, you know, getting up, you know, whether you start at five, move up to 10, I think moving up to that 20 percent of income is a good mm-hmm. goal to get to. This avoids creating credit or debt you know yeah, absolutely think about credit but but latrice in your practice do you see an abuse of debt where people are not or they're not thinking about setting aside money and they've just abused that i mean i do in mine i see people mm-hmm. I, they don't mean to nobody yeah. desires to create this debt problem mm-hmm. it just sneaks up on them it does. Um, uh, and like you said, this is something that's a fundamental. Saving money is a fundamental. Getting out of debt is a fundamental before we go any further. Um, and, and as a, the, the person that's helping the client, um, strategizing on reaching their goals, um, getting out of debt is, is something that's going to be probably the first priority uh, for us to help that client. And that is difficult. Scott, you and I were working with a client here recently. They're brought in by a parent. And uh, I mean, you know, the typical dad says, I want you to work with these guys. We do that. And that's fine. It, you know, clients, we want to help. And it was a discipline, wasn't it? It was, to, But they needed the guideline. And sometimes, mom and dad, listen, sometimes kids need somebody else besides you. <laughs> a third-party <laughs> opinion, yeah. 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 Somebody else guiding you through. And that does create that that synergy because we can show some things that maybe the parents been saying the same thing but because we're doing it a little differently i think it gets a little different i I agree with that and i think you know it's just having that accountability partner in place to Mm -hmm. say you know here here's how we're going to hit that goal but we're going to also hold you accountable to hitting that goal you know hold you accountable to your best intentions this is what you said you wanted to do we're going to help you get there, and we'll help you hold hold you accountable. So. Latrice, you come from an athletic background and mm-hmm. as a basketball player. And and what I so much appreciate from you as a coach, you were a coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, in your practice, you display a sense of discipline, and you yes. talk about that. Is this not a fundamental discipline issue where a person has to say, I'm going to be disciplined? You know, uh, so I'm going to talk a little basketball language. I got Fun- something that's fundamental in basketball is you got to be able to dribble the ball. You have to be able to pass the ball. Defense, yeah, we'll work on that. But those are two fundamentals. So something that's fundamental with growing your money is building your savings, getting out of that. And of course, your coach is the one is holding you accountable. Your uh, financial professional that you're working with. They're the ones who are coaching you and holding your account you accountable. I like the way you put that. Fundamental of dribbling. I and mean, you know, what do you think about playing basketball if you can't dribble it? Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It just doesn't happen. So you wouldn't think about investing if you haven't been disciplined yes. to do a fundamental of having an emergency fund, a contingency fund. Mm-hmm. So again, we're trying to share with you some basics about doing that and how important it is to know what to do with that. And so Scott, let me let me ask you this. We're talking about 
about a fundamental one-on-one in investing. But there is something about compound interest with this that we need to understand and appreciate that it's important to the overall plan. Absolutely. And 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 before I go into that, the, the emergency fund is not about rate of return, right? We're not necessarily looking for comp. That's about access to money. That's okay. a whole different All subject. Right. But when, when you start to save and you start to earn a little interest, then you get to putting compounding to work. So the money you put to work makes money. And that money that's made money makes money. So compound in- interest uninterrupted. That's key for a long period of time is is a very powerful tool in helping you accomplish your goals. So a small amount small amount can make a over big a difference. long period of time can make a huge difference. So just again the discipline starting if you could take a 25 year old 30 year old today and say to them what oh, are the wow. biggest fundamentals that you've got. You've got some 20 year old kids, 30 yep, 25 year yep. old kids. So and they're they're tough cases but <laughs> <laughs> I, I kid, they're, I they're kid. probably listening. You'll get a call before the program. That's right. <laughs> but do you think that's an issue for them? No, and I've, you know, of course, you know me, I get out my calculator and show them what a little <laughs> bit of money will do on a long period of time. So you want to be a millionaire? This is all it takes. <laughs> this is you know? what it takes. But when you have time on your side and compounding, it is powerful. A little amount of money put away over a long period of time can be a huge, huge amount of money. All right, so what we're saying to it is a little bit of money makes a big difference. Do it early and do it often, and that's critical for you. So we've kind of covered that. Let's move into this idea. Now that we've said, okay, start a savings plan. We got it. Start a Mm -hmm. contingency plan. Mm -hmm. Allow it to go to work for you. Don't get caught up in whether it's earning 15% interest or 2% interest. Mm -hmm. That's not relative to what we're talking about. So Mm -hmm. where do you put Latrice, this emergency fund. Let's. Where does this money go? Is it buried in the can in the backyard, or, or how do you start? <clears throat> well, I, I hope it's not buried in the can. Uh, but first, the first thing that most people think about is putting your money in a savings account in the bank. Um, you can do that, um, and also you can uh, put it <clears throat> maybe in some kind of mutual fund. Um, CDs is something that people will discuss, and then of course having a checking account. All right, so having a checking account, a savings account, put it somewhere, you know, in a CD. So some of these things are just typical. Know where you're putting it. Using your local bank, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a regular savings account. Uh, it's convenient. Yes, it has. Uh, it is backed by the federal insurance plan. It's got you got to have interest on a checking account. That may be something. If you just said that's going to have some money back there, a money market account from the bank or something. As mm-hmm. you said, a CD. All of those are tools yes. that this is a place to park. Mm-hmm. That contingency plan. What about credit unions? And you know, you've got the employment, Scott, at a credit union. You work for a big company. It's got its credit union. What about that? Yeah, sometimes you can get a little better interest rate through credit unions. They can offer some special deals that would help you earn a little bit more on your money for this type of, you know, liquid savings account. But you know, again, it's not about the rate of return. But if you can be smart about it and earn a little more on it, then you start putting that compound of interest to work. So. so then again, it goes back to working through that process. So you know what? We kind of stepped over something, and I just thought about this. We need to make sure that everybody understands this is, again, we kind of laughed a little bit about burying it in the backyard, yeah. okay, and then forget where you bury it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got the dog and everybody oh, else boy. back there trying to dig it up. <laughs> yep. But here's the thought. You got this money has to be accessible. Absolutely. Yes. And you cannot lock this into a five-year CD since we mentioned CD. That's not accessible 
contingency money. So we need to stress the fact that you needs to be convertible to cash if it's in something else, but accessible, mm-hmm. readily accessible, because it is your contingency money. It yes. is your emergency money. That is so critical for us to understand. What about money market mutual funds? Those are we see a lot of that. That used to be a bigger investment vehicle than we see it today. Talk about that for me. Well, money market mutual funds can be a good option. Now again, they're not federally insured like your bank deposits, but that can be a place to possibly earn a higher rate of return. Uh, so they're always an option. Now, you know, we, we work with clients, and sometimes it's better to have an additional layer between them and their money. We were talking with a client about that the other day. You know, he said, we said, well, do you want to save it in a savings account, or would you better put it somewhere else mm-hmm. where you, you have kind of that extra layer in there before you can get to it? So, so let's that talk can, about that for a second, because you, that was a big conversation with it was. that particular mm-hmm. client. Why would we even have that conversation? I mean, again, we're talking about back to the basketball scenario. Discipline is a fundamental a basic to play the game. Mm-hmm. But why would you talk about that, Scott? Because that was critical in that conversation. Well, it, it, it was a discipline issue. It, it was an issue of saying, hey, I, I, I know myself. I don't want to have too easy access to this money because I want it to remain an emergency fund. Now, going back to what we talked about, there's an emergency fund and there's saving for long-term purchases funds, and those are really two different things, but this money was meant to be a true emergency fund, and they just kind of wanted an extra layer in between themselves and that money so they didn't become tempted just to spend it on vacations or, hey, I want a, a, a new suit or, or whatever comes along that you want in life. They wanted that extra layer in and there. And that was their own conversation Absolutely. with themselves. Absolutely. We happened to be in the room. Yes. But they were having that conversation admitting that that extra layer. Now, this is an adult that had reached a point in life where college kids, I mean, yes. so they were saving for college. They had a lot of moving parts, but they were at a stage in their life they were not experienced investors and they wanted to be. And they were making major steps to change that particular mindset and they were asking for this extra amount of discipline around what they were doing well if you just tuned in we're talking about literally some fundamentals i mean these are so basic and yet it is a we're sensitive to everybody we take it for granted but not everybody follows the line here and stays very connected with the basics of being an investor number one Make sure you have adequate savings, a contingency plan. Make sure it's an emergency plan. And then when you put it away, make sure it's simple that you can get to it. It's not locked up and you can't, it's not buried in the backyard, not in a five-year CD or something like that. It's readily accessible. When we come back, we're going to get into some of the issues that really create some problems for us and disturb our investment portfolio. We're going to move to kind of that, uh, maybe the sophomore, junior, senior year, graduate level studies about investing about really staying out of an attitude problem, an emotional problem, an obsession problem, all those things that create issues when it comes to your investment portfolio. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding any funds or stocks in particular, nor should it be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. 
Welcome back. I'm talking with Latrice McClinn and Scott Jordan. We've been talking about fundamentals. Now, the whole idea is if you're going to get started, what are the basics to get started as an investor? Well, we get a lot of questions about this. Number one, we've said you need a contingency plan, a, you know, an emergency plan, something that says I have locked this money up. It, it can, it's accessible. I have the key, but I will not touch this money at any need except for something that I didn't plan for. It's an emergency. It's a contingency issue that I didn't didn't know was going to happen. And there's my money. It keeps me from using my credit card. It keeps me from borrowing money when I don't need to be borrowing money. It allows me not to fret just because the market may be fluctuating because I have that fundamental set aside and that's locked up. And we talked about a couple of places to put it, whether it's in using your bank CDs or your bank checking account or whatever. It's just knowing that it's accessible for you. It can be used only, can only be used, you might put it this way, can only be used for emergencies, not for a savings account to buy a car, not for a savings account to buy clothes or or a vacation. That's another account. This account is totally to cover those things that happen that you didn't plan for. Latrice, you did an excellent job talking about that from from a basketball standpoint. And I think it's critical for you to review that for us before we move into this next phase, graduate school, you might say, of investing. But go back to that fundamental. Yeah, we're, we're talking about savings um, being a fundamental. So when I first started playing basketball, I was first, first taught how to dribble the ball shoot the ball and pass the ball. I learned how to dunk later, but I was first taught how to... Um, Did you hear that? <laughs> yeah, she had to throw that in. Yeah, she had yeah. to <laughs> that, you know, slide that way. You know, that, she's talking to two guys here that couldn't... We can't dunk it in our dream. <laughs> With a ladder. But she, <laughs> thank you, Latrice. You know, that somehow I got to control that. I just asked her would she go back to the fundamentals, but she threw that. She took, yep. Yeah, I got it. Yep. All right, go ahead. So I, I was taught how to do those um, three things first, and it's like savings. You won't to to build money that you can touch for immediate and emergency usages um, with building your savings fund, whether that's short-term savings or whether that's long-term savings for some goals that you'll have for later. Okay, so that's a fundamental. Now, guys, here's the thing. There's so many issues with the investor. Here's this person who's trying to build a mindset to be, be a better investor, not so caught up in the stuff and you know all the things they hear. So I want to cover some of those attitudes or the approaches that we have, even the actions that kind of we slide into, we do some of these things that hurt our results or damage or destroy what we're trying to accomplish long term and how these can these attitudes sometimes can compound the damage almost to the point of frustration and where we stop being a good investor. Now, whether it's the 401k or, or whether it's saving for college for someone or your retirement plan that's outside your 401k plan, all of those are investment programs that we're talking about. So let's throw the big umbrella over all of that. But let's talk about some of those attitudes, those things that create some of the issues. Scott, you start with the first one. What do you what do you see in your practice that people do? I think it's that herd mentality, following the herd. You know, there's always a hot tip of the day or hot investment out there that's going on, whether it's some type of, you know, whether it's gold, real estate, some type of digital currency. There's always something, some kind of buzz going on out there that 
people tend to want to jump into, and that can be very dangerous. I had a conversation with a millennial a couple of weeks ago, a couple of millennials were having lunch, and they were talking about that going on in their generation and what they were talking about and how, and you could sense as they they had done very little research about it, but it was what everybody was talking about, and therefore they were becoming an expert not on research, but on what they heard last week's football game. Exactly. Or baseball game. Exactly. You know, and that type of behavior can lead to poor investment decisions or, or getting out of good investments to hop on the latest investment of day. And, you know, we've all seen, uh, you've seen the, the Dow Bar studies that show that I- investors tend to earn, you know, on average about 2 to 2 to 4% less than the actual funds or the investments they're invested in. And that all has to do with that behavior of, you know, jumping around from thing to thing and moving investments for the wrong reason. For the wrong reason. For the now, wrong reason. You mentioned gold and real estate earlier. Now, you're not at all recommending that. You just use that as an example. You know, People get caught up. Absolutely. It could have been, absolutely. It could have been the, whatever it is. Yeah, right. yeah not, not saying anything negative or positive, positive about any either, of those. Yeah. Just saying it could be anything. But you mentioned the Dalpar study where people get off of their investment mindset, that discipline. So help me with, if we're going to, if we're going to have this attitude of following the herd. Now, I'm thinking when you say that, you really kind of help me understand, but that can be buying a car, everybody's buying a whatever type of car, everybody's <laughs> buying whatever type of dishwasher. I mean, all the things that we have a tendency to do, that's what you're meaning. We just yeah, jump and, on the back of everybody. And with those types of decisions, you know, that can be problematic as well, but not so detrimental as, hey, this is your future you're messing with yeah. here. So, you know, with investing, I think it becomes really dangerous to get so on that So how do you correct mentality. that? Well, I think first of all is, is not responding to news reports. You know, every day it's something new. You know, today it's the political Political drama in Italy, or or tariffs, or trade wars, or what's happened in North, North Korea, you know. And I think with social media, this has become even more problematic. You have all this information coming at you every day, and there's a tendency to to hear a little nugget or a piece of information and and jump on that and and build an investment strategy out of that, and that's dangerous. So what you're saying is, be careful that don't build your investment portfolio around sound bites. Around sound bites, <laughs> absolutely. Well put, Jim. You know, it's it's just about being disciplined. Have a strategy, you know, develop an investment plan that gives you a high probability of hitting your goals and stick to it. That's a great point. All right. Now, we've talked about first, and we're dealing with, for those who have just tuned in to you, uh, to us, we're talking about putting together a plan. We've talked about emergency funds, having that contingency fund set aside. Then we said, okay, here's some things to avoid. Attitudes. Approach attitude being that of following the herd approaches, actions maybe that you're doing, or or maybe just uh, omissions. Maybe you thought about you were doing this, but you didn't. So we want to cover a whole bunch of things here that we're trying to tell you. There's four or five of them that we're going to say, here's some things in that graduate level of investing don't do. You've moved from not doing anything. Now you're putting aside sizable amounts of money into an investment portfolio, but this is what shipwrecks you or you know, just completely destroys your plan. And number one, Scott says, following the herd. When we come back, we're going to talk about another one that's so critical. I see it so often. Latrice is going to help us, and I tell you, it is, it is what most of us struggle with most of the time. Stay with us. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money. If you have questions you'd like to have answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. The Liberty Bowl Stadium has been the home to many wonderful stories. 
When the Memphis Memorial Stadium was built in 1965, it was dedicated to Memphians who had served in the two world wars and in Korea. Its purpose was to relocate the Liberty Bowl from Atlantic City to Memphis. The stadium was renamed Liberty Bowl Memorial Stadium nine years later. In 1983, the field was named Rex Dockery Field after a Memphis football coach who was killed in a plane crash just two weeks before Christmas. Since the 70s, the stadium has hosted numerous professional football teams, along with a few soccer teams. During the 90s, the stadium hosted the Memphis Mad Dogs, who were part of the Canadian Football League. Although there were some difficulty adapting the stadium to Canadian football rules, that one season in 1995 was a high point in the stadium's history, matched by the exhibition baseball game there between the Braves and the Brewers in 1975. This has been another Mid-South History Moment, brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. This program was previously recorded. You could lose money by investing in a money market fund. An investment in the fund is not insured or guaranteed by the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation or any other government agency. The fund sponsor has no legal obligation to provide financial support to the fund, and you should not expect that the sponsor will provide financial support to the fund at any time. Money market funds may also impose a fee upon sale of your shares or may temporarily suspend your ability to sell shares if the fund's liquidity falls below required minimums because of market conditions or other factors. Although government or retail money market funds seek to preserve the value of your investment, at a dollar per share, it cannot guarantee it will do so. For those money market funds that are not government or retail funds, the share price of the fund will fluctuate. When you sell your shares, they may be worth more or less than what you originally paid for them. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. While we're talking with Latrice McLean and Scott Jordan, and we've been going through the process of building a more of a professional mindset about what you're trying to do from your investment portfolio. We started with a fundamental, a basic, and that is having an emergency fund, setting aside money into a bank account, a money market account, somewhere that you can, it's accessible to you, but you're doing it. And I use this term, it's about automation versus procrastination. Don't procrastinate. Do this and do it regularly. As you move past that, we've moved in some more of the graduate school stuff. And the first thing that basically Scott talked about was don't follow the herd. Don't get some sort of a sound bite and, you know, what somebody said at some party or whatever. And all of a sudden build your portfolio around that. That's dangerous. Guide yourself. Be disciplined. He talked about really be careful not to respond to news reports and just be simply disciplined. And Latrice has really helped us understand that with the idea behind the basketball thought process. Now, Latrice, what if we're not going to follow the herd, what do you see in your practice that's probably because I think following the herd is real tough for a lot of people. They just don't know what to do and they're trying to do and everybody else is saying, well, this is what I'm doing. So they do that. What's the second thing that you see in your practice? Something that I see, Jim, is people become emotional. Um, And what you have to understand is that the market is going to go up and down. That's what it does. But you can't become emotional about that. Working with a financial professional and sticking to that strategy that you have is something that will help you not become so emotional with the investing. So emotional, when you talk about letting your emotion, I I can see that being a real critical issue because most of us are emotional people, especially and mm-hmm. Scott, you mentioned this too earlier, that it's really a big issue when you're thinking about your financial future. Absolutely. So that's the, yeah. that's a real problem. So what do we do with that side, of the, with the emotions? 
Well, I mean, it goes back to the fundamentals, right? You have a strategy and you stick to it. Um, you know, keeping that long-term focus, you know, know that you're saving for for a goal way out in the future. So short-term volatility doesn't have a lot of impact on that goal. I mean, you know, when you look at market history, you go from like 1900 to 2013, there was something like 123 market corrections. That's almost one a year. So market volatility is a very normal part of being invested in the market. Now, you know, I say this over and over again, in an inflationary economy, most people that I've ever worked with have to have some money in the market in order to hit their goals. So it's a, it's a part of the strategy. We need to participate in that, and we need to have a strategy for how we're going to act in the event of that market volatility. I, I think that's critical for us to understand, that that's so important to be, be in the market. I mean, Latrice, you talk about this all the time. Volatility is frightening, and we know that, and that's, that's the emotional side that you described it. But the real danger is just not investing. Yeah, it, it is. And, and like Scott said, in order to obviously grow your money, you have to put some of it in the market. And you always have to keep your goals in mind. Remember what this is what I, I, I had in mind. This was my goal. This is my long term goal. This is my risk tolerance. This is how much basically I can stomach uh, with my money that I'm investing to. That's that's critical. So if I've got a savings account, mm-hmm. I've covered you know the basics. I've covered the contingency emergency fund. I don't have to worry too much about, I shouldn't have to worry too much. I shouldn't Mm -hmm. get caught into the worrying, which I think, you know, uh, we shouldn't do. We shouldn't let our emotions control us. Mm -hmm. And so this is the fundamental. We get through that process. We're not going to follow the herd. Mm -hmm. We're literally not going to allow our emotions to control us. Um, That's discipline. That's really being a disciplined investor and having a strategy and staying disciplined to what we've said. What would you see as number three? What would be the next thought process if if we're moving through this? These are two big fundamentals. I see this as probably almost the foundational block. If we can avoid these two, we probably move in the right direction. But what would be number three, Latrice? Uh, Number three is just hanging on to something too long. And and this may be something you think about, okay, this is what my, my mom had. This is something that my dad had. And this work for them. Well, maybe what worked for them may not work for you, and and you need to have a change. We always have to have a change. Things change uh, uh, through the times. So if, if it was once a good plan, or maybe it's not today. Uh, we see that a lot, don't we, Scott? I mean, people yeah, coming absolutely. in with a, with a whole lot of things that dad or mom bought. Yeah, and it's, it's you know, mom or dad bought it, or I worked for the company for 30 years, or, or whatever it might be. There's a certain emotional attachment to an investment that may not be producing the type of performance that it did historically, and it may be time to move on to something else, but it's very difficult for them to let go of that. And you have to have a legitimate reason to to move on. Absolutely. just don't pick up and say, let's move on. But sometimes the key is, is that they're not thinking about a legitimate reason. They're just holding on too long because of historical, you know, it was what, you know, it, past performance is not a future indication of anything. It is not an indicator of future. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yep, so absolutely. what would you recommend they do? I think, it, you know, we kind of saying this over and over, but it's having that buy and sell strategy, having having a, a plan ahead of time to, uh, you know, for reasons why we're going to move in and out of investments. And, you know, when we're coaching people through this, we're looking at things like maybe we're in a fund that I, we've had a manager change in or something like that. That. Uh, maybe the, the the investment has changed its strategy, doesn't meet our needs anymore. 
But, you know, seldom is it short-term underperformance as a reason to get out of something so quickly. Now, you it's, just indicated that we're yeah. not going to be tied to anything, is what you're saying. I mean, we're not we're not emotionally involved. Absolutely, we're not saying, "Well, hey, this has done well for ten years." We, you know, we're going to we're willing to fire a manager or you know get rid of something if we think it's the best thing overall for what we're doing in that portfolio. Yeah, and I think you know, I think that's where working with a financial professional can help. It kind of just takes those emotions out of the decisions and and puts it back to the fundamentals, right? We have a we have a strategy for what we're doing in our investment program. We're trying to hit a goal, and you know, sometimes changes need to be made. Sometimes they don't need to be made, but we want to have a good strategy around why we're doing that. You know, as you guys are talking about this, and I think the listeners can begin to hear this. I'm hearing it loud and clear from you. Number one, you got to have a strategy. You have to have something that says, Mm -hmm. this is what we're trying to do. If you don't do that, now, that doesn't mean you have to go out and and create this enormous 20-page strategy. That's not what we're saying. Not at all. Not at all. We're just saying, have a a plan, have an idea, a goal. What am I trying to do, whether it's retirement, college, or whatever? That's the strategy. Second part, though, is probably the part that I think may be as difficult is the discipline. You've yeah. both said the word discipline over and over again. Why is discipline so critical? Let me tell you, let me make a break. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. I really want to find out why is discipline and what is it that when you say discipline, things like diversification, discipline, and, and that idea. So stay with us because I think we're talking about something that's critical for you. If you just tuned in, you know, of course, we're talking about Patrice McLean and Scott Jordan. We're talking about fundamentals of investing, but we're moving up to the little bit higher level. It's a little bit more sophisticated. It's keeping some of those emotions out. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Investment risks associated with real estate investing, in addition to other risks, include rental income fluctuation, depreciation, property tax value changes, and differences in real estate market values. The Standard & Poor's 500 is an unmanaged group of securities considered to be representative of the stock market in general. Index performance returns do not reflect any management fees, transaction costs, or expenses. One cannot invest directly in an index. And now, back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Welcome back. I'm talking to Scott Jordan and Latrice McLean. We're going through this whole process of helping you understand how to be an investor. We get a lot of questions about this, and this is a program that we really have built around the idea of guiding you through the fundamentals of being an investor. We've talked about the contingency plan, the emergency fund. We talked about that. Being disciplined. Automation versus procrastination. Don't don't procrastinate on this. Set it up. Make it happen. 5% of your portfolio. Pay yourself first. 5% or 10%. Set it aside until you reach that magical number. And Latrice said earlier in the program, three to six months, we prefer to say six but it's up to you. It's where do you feel that you need to have a certain amount of money and where does your mountain that you need to climb to get to that in case there is some kind of an emergency. If it's six months, great. If it takes 12 months, it's whatever you decide. But don't procrastinate. 
set it up, get it automated, and do it. Then we moved in and we said, don't follow the herd. We talked about that's important. Then keep your emotions out. And then don't hang on too long just because dad or mom bought it. Doesn't mean you. it fits your portfolio. It fits what you're trying to do. You may have to make a decision. But, you know, we said two key words have surfaced, a strategy and then be disciplined. A strategy, know what you're trying to accomplish, discipline. And I love the way, you know, Latrice said it to us, a basketball idea, just the idea of dribbling the ball, be disciplined, learn how to dribble. If you're going to play basketball, that's a fundamental. If you're going to be an investor, you got to be disciplined. Scott, there is another one that I think is critical for us, and you mentioned it during the break. Help everybody understand what it means for diversification and people neglect to rebalance. Why? This, this kind of goes back to that strategy and discipline thing. You know, we have a strategy and we, we've agreed upon a certain asset allocation, how much we're going to have in stocks and bonds, how much of those do I need to hit my goals. Then we've diversified that, you know, across different size companies, different geographies, international versus domestic. And then the critical thing, then this is where the discipline comes in, is to rebalance that, at least on about an annual basis. And that simply means we're going to sell some of the winners, some of the things that have done well throughout the year, and we're going to buy some of the laggards or things that haven't done as well. And what we're doing is we're bringing that asset allocation and diversification back in line with the way we set it originally to hit our goals. That's a critical discipline. So so diversification, a certain amount of stocks, a certain amount of bonds, a certain amount of cash. Correct. Okay. Then that's is well. I guess that's. I said that is diversification. You didn't say that. Asset I, allocation. I said that's al- Yeah, that's asset allocation. Diversification. And you said domestics and foreign uh, size not, companies, type companies, geography sectors. Things now of that let nature. me ask this: Do you think most investors really understand when we say diversification the way you're saying it? There. I mean, you said domestics. You said you know foreign. You said uh, different types of industries. Do you think that's something that diversification everybody understands? Or do we just say it loud and fast? I don't think it's well understood at all. And I see this when I work with clients who are managing their own 401ks and stuff. You don't see a good mix in there. And I think it's important to point out that asset allocation and diversification is a risk management tool. This is not something that guarantees greater results or guarantees any results at all for that matter. We do this for risk management. We set a portfolio or an investment strategy to hit our goals. You know, we, we spread it across different asset classes and, and types of investments, and then we annually rebalance that back to what we originally decided upon. Now, when you said that, it literally said sell some winners and buy some losers. It's tough. It's tough to do. Hey, help me with that. Why, why would we tell people that that's critical? Well, because, you know, as we know, the reason we diversify and, and at all is because we really don't know who the winners are going to be from year to year, right? So what did great last year may not do good this year. So the discipline is, hey, let's take some of the gains off the things that have done well and invest it back in these things that haven't done as well recently. And over time, that's been a good strategy for us. We've seen, we've seen that through decades and through doing research that that's just a good strategy. That's a good strategy. So we're, do we really cover? this that's been very fundamental and I appreciate us doing that rebalancing and then suitable diversification Latrice this is the the last one we're going to have time to cover but I think it's so critical because we have a tendency to make things just too complicated help us understand why we do that and how do you encourage people not to do that basically Jim just keep it simple 
Um, and, and that may sound too easy for someone, but really just keep it simple. Uh, it's, it's very good if you can go and work with a financial professional. They will work with you and they will educate you and help you to understand about the investing and the allocation and diversification that Scott's just talking about. You know, when you talk about that, sometimes we have a tendency to give too many choices. Yes. I mean, you get kind of paralyzed because you got 10 choices, and that can be extremely difficult. And you get a complex portfolio, and, you know, people shut down. They don't. So what you're saying is just don't make it too hard no. and then keep keep it simple. Scott, you want to add anything to that when you think about through that? Because you see it just as much as I do, as much as Latrice does. Yeah, you know, I think that, uh, and I don't know if it's more and more, it seems that there's more and more new types of products coming out, whether it's algorithmic trading programs or all these different, you know, leveraged vehicles that offer to, you know, double the index or triple the index. And, you know, I think most investors, at least for their money for the for retirement or for the future, should Stay away from strategies like, you know, options and some of these leverage strategies that offer these outsized potential returns. I think keeping it simple is a much better strategy. So that means basically that's what we're trying to say is literally looking at it from a standpoint. We're talking about gradual level, but not Ph.D. yet. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, if you just tuned in, I've been talking with Latrice McClan and Scott Jordan. Our whole process we've been working through is giving you some fundamentals. We've talked about, you know, having an adequate savings plan, shopping for safety when it comes to that emergency fund. This has been a portfolio program that we've tried to help you begin to be a better investor. We think we've covered some great material for you. We hope that you understood it. And if you'd like to listen to it, of course, just simply go to the iTunes store and search for Shoemaker Financial. You can pick it up from there. But thank you for being a part of today's program. The second half, we really covered stay out of the emotional. Don't follow the herd. Those are critical. Keep it simple and diversify and definitely rebalance your portfolio. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Thanks for listening today. Thank you. This is Talk Money. Talk Money is produced by Greg Ratliff. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistant, Eleanor Moskovitz. Compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. We'll see you next week on Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Latrice McLean is a registered representative. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Hey.